Hello and welcome to the Wavemakers podcast. I'm so happy you've joined us today as we dive into another technology that innovators are sinking their efforts into in order to help us and our ocean and water resources. Today is a great episode for anyone working on or interested in exploring the deep with robots. Who doesn't love a robot? Hi, I'm Tamara Khan, and I'm happy to be here on the American Shoreline Podcast Network to share the stories of innovators in the marine and water technology space. As always, feel free to reach out. I'm on Instagram as at Lady Blue Tech or visit the American Shoreline Podcast Network's website to read more about pod- podcasts like Wavemakers in the ocean and coastal space. So last time on Wavemakers, I got to speak quite a bit with Dr. Yi Chow about how autonomous vehicles and robots are increasingly being used to help us explore and understand our oceans. In later episodes, we'll definitely get into some of the other really cool robots out there. I mean, these things are being used for research, underwater archaeology, environmental monitoring, maritime search and rescue, in oil and gas and the defense sectors. There's just endless uses for robots and ROVs remotely operated vehicles, so unmanned robots. Most people get pretty excited about robots. Did anyone else watch the show Small Wonders? I feel like my my guest today probably won't remember that show, but it was about a, a little girl robot, and even as a kid, I had a lot of interest for me. Today, we're talking about an even harsher environment for these robots to play in. Underwater robots play an important role in a lot of industries Um, and I think we kind of get used to seeing them so we forget how much goes into them. There's all these bits and pieces that have enabled us to create them. It's really a scientific and engineering marvel. It's not that easy to build a robot that can withstand the harsh conditions of the ocean. Water and electronics don't exactly mix. Add some salt in there and you've got even more trouble from corrosion and conductivity issues. And then think about the depths that we're trying to look at here. Send these robots to these deep, dark places under immense amounts of pressure. And that's some of the reasons we want to send them unmanned, so not to endanger humans. Historically, it's also been prohibitively expensive to create something that can be used to explore these unique environments. But my guest today, Elisa Miller, joins me from Blue Robotics, a company that is enabling more researchers and explorers to design and manufacture underwater robots. How? By themselves creating the components for robots and ROVs, or remotely operated vehicles. Blue Robotics specializes in these high-performing marine robotics components at an accessible price point. (laughs) Thrilled to welcome Elisa here to tell us more about this super fun team and all they're up to. Welcome to the show, Elisa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super stoked to be chatting with you today. Well, it's really great. I I love Blue Robotics and the energy that your team brings to the table. And I'm really excited to get into all the projects you were telling me that you guys are helping. Um, but I want to start where I usually start and learn a little bit more about you. So tell us about yourself, your, your career path. How did you get to Blue Robotics? And, uh, you know, what's your motivation? Cool. So where do I begin? Um, I I definitely fell into marine robotics. So I, I'm from a beach, small beach town in New Jersey. So I, I grew up by the, by the water. I 
you know, my family would go to the beach every day. I, through high school, would work, I worked at a surf shop. It, the ocean has always just been a big part of my life. So, um, I, but I didn't know about marine robotics uh, in school or in college. I ended up studying mathematics at St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia. Um, and I kind of just landed on mathematics after my first uh, few attempts. My mom kind of said no to fashion design or some of those other <laughs> things. I was like, all right, cool. I, I'm good at math. I'll just do that. Um, <laughs> so That's not uncommon. Yeah, we get coaxed into something. We don't really know anything. Yeah, you're when you're 18, you're just kind of figuring stuff out. So studied math, want, thought I wanted to be a high school teacher, high school math teacher, and was quickly disillusioned one, upon graduation with the public school system, unfortunately. But that gave me an opportunity to uproot my life and move to California. So I did that with no plan and was kind of just floating around for a few months until I responded to a Craigslist ad for a Kickstarter campaign, a successful Kickstarter campaign that was now forming into a business, which ended up being Blue Robotics. So I love that. Did you just say you answered a Craigslist ad? <laughs> I did. Yes. Uh, you can find some great things on Craigslist. So. I always laugh when I think that I found my career on Craigslist. Phenomenal. So was it Rusty who had put the ad up? Yeah. So Rusty um, had his Kickstarter campaign for our flagship product, which was the T100 thruster, which has since been retired. Um, but that he had the Kickstarter campaign for the thrusters and for the very early versions of the ROV and was just working on fulfilling those uh, orders. And the job was for an operations assistant. So kind of just a Jack or Jill of all trades type role. And that sounded perfect to me as a young 20 something year old that didn't know what to do, but definitely was interested in the ocean and interested in technology and interested in just trying a bunch of different things. So I fell into Blue Robotics and it's been a wild journey since. That was about seven years ago. Just, I met you and Rusty at a um, an Oceans conference years ago and I just had no idea that that was the background story. So firstly, you're not even a California girl, which to me, you seem just perfect right there on that West Coast. And uh, I don't know that much about the New Jersey shore because I've never really visited that part of the country. And I love hearing about it because people from there are like you, very excited about the ocean and, and connected to it. So it's, it's lovely to see someone who's living that and, and helping. I just want to say for the record, the beach town that I'm from is not the same as Jersey Shore that everyone um, got familiar with about 10 years ago with uh, the MTV show. So there's a lot of different kinds of beaches in New Jersey. Good for you. Yeah, no, that, that I do know because in working in this industry, you come across people from all over that coast and and it sounds like some of the beaches are just wonderful. So They are. 
I have to get out there. Very beautiful. <laughs> so you land in uh, Southern California and you're just a free spirit trying to figure it out with your mathematics degree. And you run into Rusty who, I mean, I know Rusty is the CEO of and then founder of Blue Robotics, but he was just starting a Kickstarter campaign and then using Craigslist. I, what a unique way to go. Definitely. Yeah. Even um, I, I would, I think Rusty would even say that he also fell into mar- marine robotics. I'd love to hear what kind of products they were doing on Kickstarter, like what possessed him to start making those and how did the Kickstarter campaign go? I'm going to go dig up those videos for sure. Totally. You definitely should. And this is, I think, even a more fun story than me finding my career on Craigslist. But uh, so Blue Robotics was formed because Rusty and one of his friends were working as mechanical engineers. Um, they had aerospace background and they were working on a side project to send a surfboard autonomously from Los Angeles to Hawaii. And this was, you know, they were also young. They're just kind of doing this on the side. So they're doing everything on a hobbyist's budget. So they had like an old surfboard. They could find the solar panels pretty quickly, the, you know, radio transmitters, everything they could find, um, you know, on a shoestring budget, except for the thrusters. So the thrusters are the uh, propulsion device for this thing. And in doing research, he found that a ton of other people also could not find uh, affordable underwater motors. So he sort of pivoted and realized that there was this giant hole in this market. Um, And he had seen the drone industry kind of explode over the past few years and uh, kind of adopted some of those same things of bringing down the cost of the technology and incorporating them into another kind of drone, in this case, an underwater drone. Um, So yeah, they pivoted, came up with a really innovative design for the T100 and the T200 thruster. The T200 is still our flagship product and launched that to the world through Kickstarter. So uh, the crowd surfing platform and raised, I think it was like 300% of what their, their goal was. So, wow. so there were other people trying to do this, obviously. Totally. Tons of other people. And those people were ranging from like middle school robotics teams up to, um, you know, academic researchers, just everyone, who, anyone who's trying to build a vehicle to go underwater. The only options were like a bilge pump motor, which was not designed for that, or like a several thousand dollar thruster, which is out of budget for most people. I'm just amazed that you know I dig around on Kickstarter the you know crowdfunding site all the time just for fun (laughs) and uh, I don't know I'm wondering okay would I stop on a robotics video probably if it was engaging enough but I guess if you're a hobbyist or as you said robotics teachers that makes total sense there are so many people looking to explore the ocean and they might be a little bit smaller scale. And 
those people are really important, of course, because they collect so much of the data and information. So what happened with this surfboard? Did it make it? Oh, <laughs> everyone always asks Uh-oh. about the surfboard. And I'm sad to report that the project was shelved once Blue Robotics was born. <laughs> um, we, it's, we have it sitting here at the office just as like a um, relic of the old days. And we do have plans to... Oh, I don't even know if I should say this. Maybe this is a teaser, but we we do want to send it eventually, and we think it would be uh, fun to go back to like our our origin story and finally send it off. Also, a lot of other people have since done something similar, so the magic for us is a little bit lost. But yeah, we never sent the surfboard from LA to Hawaii. Maybe you can get it all the way across the Pacific. I Well, I know that's a heck of an endeavor. I My last guest was telling me that that hadn't been done yet. So, Cool. I like where your head's at. We'll just need to make our goals a lot uh, bigger and hairier. Yeah. <laughs> Aim high. Or definitely get deep. Or deep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. At this point, now, what happened after the thrusters? I, I guess you had the T-100, the T-200. And where did you guys go from there? Yeah, so I started working probably six months after that. So we were just shipping out the thrusters from the Kickstarter campaign. But at that point, we had all these goals to start releasing other enabling products. So uh, anything that you would need to basically build an underwater uh, vehicle. So underwater or watertight enclosures, different sensors, so uh, depth and pressure sen- sensor, uh, temperature sensor, um, underwater lights, different kinds of cables. Our goal was basically to take every component and just bring the cost way down just to open the door to that technology to tons of people who haven't had access before. So we did that for a couple years, I think it was like two and a half years until eventually we released enough components that we could put those together into our own kit. And that's when the blue ROV2 was born. So the blue ROV2 is our flagship vehicle. As you've mentioned before, the remotely operated vehicle is unmanned. So it's uh, controlled from the surface. We use like an Xbox controller, which is super, um, you know, people are so familiar with the Xbox controllers or you can use any kind of controller really. And yeah, we, we uh, released this vehicle and when we're describing it to people who aren't familiar with ROVs, we basically just say, you know, it's like basically a drone like that's in the sky, but for underwater. That's exactly what I was thinking, actually. Um, it's like, People are very into flying drones, and I've noticed over the last few years, like there's a lot of of industries that are using drones that never knew of them. Real estate does drone tours, um, even I've, weddings they use drones. I mean, like anything you can think of, drones are coming in handy. And most recently, the fireworks display at some of the Olympics they had—it's all drone technology. So people get to see that kind of often and they don't get to see what's underwater. So 
you guys are enabling that kind of passion to come out. And uh, I'd love to get into sort of what kind of projects that you're, you're helping so that you know, I like how you guys are very, you have a lot of heart at Blue Robotics and your story isn't, isn't that far off from Apple's. If actually the, you know, Steve Jobs and Waz, um, they started in a, in a garage and they were making things more affordable for the hobbyist. So, um, but we'll come back to that because I'm going to ask you later, like where you think you'll, where you're going, but for, for now, where are you now? Totally. I love the comparison to Apple. I, you know, I love Apple products, so I'll never be mad about that. Except I will say the only, one of the main differences between us and Apple is we're totally open source. So that's one of our like selling points. We, we really like to open up our software and our hardware for that matter, just to make everything completely modifiable or customizable to fit any sort of job. That's a really interesting point because uh, I was just talking to someone, I have an Android phone and they're more open source. <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to explain to somebody why, why that matters or why do I care? Um, and but So you're saying your parts allow for a lot of people to sort of be create, get creative with them? Definitely. The hardware's modular, um, so you can attach different accessories. If uh, if something breaks, you can just swap out one part instead of sending a whole kit back to get it serviced. So there's a sustainability factor there. Um, yeah, I, I could go down a ton of different paths with why open source is important for Blue Robotics. Give me one more, because I, I really think that's fascinating. Like, what, you guys are changing an industry for sure. It's, it's definitely fun to be the disruptors. Um, so I guess... I guess we can kind of segue into uh, why the open source is important and how our uh, community and our customers are really utilizing that. Um, So we have a network of distributors around the world and their bread and butter is basically taking our vehicle and our components and taking them to the next level. So we're able to service, you know, a certain number or certain style of customer. But as I'm sure you're aware, there are infinitely many applications and like areas where people could use underwater robotics and you can't do it all. So we've uh, created this network of distributors who are modifying and customizing the ROV One area in particular where a lot of customization is needed is in the aquaculture industry. So we have a few distributors who that is their main focus and they're taking the ROV and they're ruggedizing it. Um, You know, these, these ROVs are in pens all day long, running constantly, checking the fish, checking the infrastructure, and they need to be, uh, able to handle all of that. They might need different attachments uh, that we don't provide, but because it's open source, you know, if you can engineer something and make it fit to our vehicle, that'll work. So 
so yeah, we have uh, every, we every single day we're seeing uh, customers who have beefed up their ROV or they've added sediment samplers or they've added different sensors or they've integrated different sonars. And I think, I don't, yeah, I, like all of the ROVs, even though they come from Blue Robotics exactly the same, once they get into the hands of the customers, they're different and unique in their own way, which is really cool and exciting just from a, you know, marketing standpoint, you know, so... Sure. I can imagine if you like had them each send a photo and put them in like a collage, they all look completely different. Exactly. It's it's always so fun to see because you can you can tell something's a blue ROV too, but sometimes you have to look a little bit harder past all of the accessories or modifications that someone's made. Too neat. Tell tell us one of the projects that you think someone's using your components for. That's really cool. I you mentioned to me something about a crown crown of thorn yes the cots bot this is my favorite um project to talk about so we have a group out of qut um in australia who are making they've made a few different vehicles um their focus is conservation so they've created a couple different vehicles one of the vehicles is built to inject this invasive species to the coral reefs, which is the crown of thorn starfish. So the vehicle is called the Cotspot. And the vehicle is built with like a needle on the end. It uses computer vision and basically identifies this starfish and will just shoot it with poison and kill it, which sounds really mean and bad, but it's (laughs) to save the corals, which is obviously super important for the rest of the ecosystem. Sure. Everybody goes to Australia for those corals. You said QUT, is that Queensland University? Yes, Queensland University of Technology. So... Um, and they've they've been doing a few other things with with, uh, restoring the corals. They, They also have a another robot called the larval bot and what that does is it basically carries coral larvae to dead portions of the reef and helps regenerate growth by planting the larval on the reef and helping it come back to life you got a a coral reef farming robot and a (laughs) starfish murdering robots yes exactly from the same group i mean that is a a pretty broad array of things right there definitely yeah and that's just one customer and those the customers who are focused on uh conservation efforts are definitely the ones that are closest to my heart and i think that they're the ones that are easiest to like those stories are the easiest to share um, just because everyone knows what a coral reef is and can uh, imagine what the dying reefs are doing to the rest, to its surrounding environment. Who knows 
what kind of biodiversity is hidden in that coral reef. You know, there's medicine that comes out of the ocean. We haven't found it yet. So we have to protect that kind of stuff. And don't worry, we'll get into like robots down the line. There are a lot less glamorous jobs that robots do. I've seen a robot being used in uh, sewer systems and um, (laughs) underwater and and not it's salty, but it's it's also harsh in its own way. So totally. We definitely have those customers too, that are doing some really gnarly uh, work with ROVs, but yeah, not as glamorous as regenerating the coral reef. <laughs> that's, a, that's good. That's a good one to share here. So we're talking about the cool stuff. Let's, let's go back a little bit to the journey to get here. Did you, are there any setbacks you'd be willing to talk about? Definitely. Um, I think the easiest one to start with is the one that the whole world has experienced together, which was COVID-19. So yeah, we, in early 2020, when the world was shutting down, we had to, you know, scale back, uh, reprioritize what we were working on. And we decided that we were going to address uh, some quality issues that had been plaguing us as we uh, expanded. So we started, you know, with the Kickstarter with hobbyists. And as we grew, our customers were pushing the limits and taking our components deeper, pushing them harder, running them faster. And the products that we had originally launched with were not necessarily uh, suitable for the customer base that we had uh, built up. So in in 2020, the world shuts down. We laser focus on improving our quality. So we actually scaled up our team, which was weird for the pandemic. You know, people were losing their jobs, people were getting laid off, but we're, we were over here hiring and uh, we were able to um, build up our production lines, uh, improve our processes, and basically take our products to the level that our customers were, were beginning and starting to push our products too. So one thing, probably the biggest thing that we worked on in 2020 that we launched last year in 2021 was the wet link penetrator. So we moved from a really simple um, and inexpensive potted penetrator. uh, And just for everyone who doesn't know what a potted penetrator is, uh, (laughs) it's the little end of the cable that would be um, basically screwed into a watertight enclosure. So the part that waterproofs the end of the cable so that you can integrate it into a vehicle. So we were using potted penetrators and we made the move to a compression gland seal, which has a, a lot less uh, failure rate, a lower failure rate, and is easier to for the customer to put together. Um, you know, potting is inherently difficult just because it's very so much on 
like temperature and if you can even get it in your area. There's tons of shipping restrictions around it. So we moved all of our products to that had a potted penetrator on it to use the Wetlink penetrator. And it's super small product, but it took a ton of effort. We did a bunch of testing on it and it's now included on all of our products. That's exactly what I'm, I'm, I'm interested in here. You know, we have, we're all excited about looking at these robots and these big things that dive down and they bring back all these images, but how do we make that happen? And those tiny little components actually are everything. I, I sometimes tap into my past work where we were doing surveys and putting instruments on the seabed. And I can tell you, I have seen the potting being mixed to try and repair a connector because if one of those wires isn't in there properly and then it leaks, you end up with flooding and the water gets in there, ruins everything. You might not even get your instrument back off the seabed. So, you know, a tiny little, you know, $100 component costs you a $50,000 instrument. And then you got to get another, a bigger ROV to go down and get it if it's worth enough. So <laughs> these things pile on. Those tiny little pieces make up the whole world. You summed it up perfectly in your intro when you said that electronics and water plus salt just do not go well together. So even just a little drop of water inside of your enclosure with your mini computer and all of your expensive sensors can just ruin an entire project. So yeah, those tiny little components that are used for waterproofing end up being super, super important for everything. We've talked a lot about how getting out there to these places to do your work in the ocean is also expensive. It just adds up. So save yourself some trouble and uh, try a, what's the new glandular penetrator called? <laughs> oh, the Wetlink Penetrator, WLP for short. <laughs> so. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew I'd, I'd ever care about that? <laughs> I didn't think I would ever care about it either, but <laughs> now I live and breathe <laughs> penetrators. So, oh, super. Um, I, I think I'm also interested. You were talking about how you were going to be a teacher and your education background. How does all this and your math degree? How does this kind of come into play? You know, just a little inspiration here for people who are studying. Totally. Yeah, I'm so happy you brought this up. Um, so one of our customer, our big customer segments are students, educators, um, you know, young people who are just have uh, interest in the ocean. So we, we put a pretty big emphasis on supporting uh, the robotic. There's a handful of robotics competitions uh, that are around the world. Uh, the mate ROV competition is one that is, they've started there. They might even be in their 20th year. Now they've been going strong for a while, but they have regional competitions around the world and they, it the season culminates in an international competition every year. And so there's that, the, age range in those competitions range from elementary school all the way up to university. So they're reaching a pretty large group of students. And then there is RoboNation who 
puts on a bunch of other robotics competition, not, not necessarily, not only for water, they do aerial drone competitions as well, but they have three uh, water competitions. So Robo Nation. Robo Nation. Yeah, they the competitions that they do that we're particularly interested in are Robo Sub. Makes sense. So <laughs> like, yeah, that one makes sense. They all make sense. Um, Robot X is another water one. And then Robo Boat. So that's uh, surface vehicles. And we, we have pretty strong relationships with both of those organizations. And we, we just love chatting with the students and getting their feedback and getting them familiar with our products. And they're just, they're super fun, fun groups just because they're so excited. We're so excited. We're like feeding off of each other. And I imagine that they bring you guys some new ideas, just like any of your customers and their feedback probably helps develop things for the future. Totally. And one of the other things that is that we think about is we want these students to become familiar with this stuff at an early age. Like I said, I had I didn't even know that marine robotics was a thing when I was in high school <laughs> or even in college. And I think that when young people are exposed to what's possible, it you know, they have that many more years to be dreaming about being an oceanographer or a mechanical engineer or even just um, marketing for a company that is uh, involved in ocean conservation. So I think it's uh, super important for Blue Robotics to just have those relationships with, you know, the future of the industry. Well, I can definitely plug you guys that you're a fun team and easy to talk to and very interested in in learning and sharing. So obviously open source, your very abundancy mindset, which is, I, I love, I commend you. So cool. Thank you. Um, would you, is there anything else you'd like to tell us about Blue Robotics? Maybe just kind of recap what you're all about? Yeah. So a recap, we, <laughs> we create underwater or components for underwater robotics at a price point that is accessible to the masses. And we are, our mission is to inspire and enable the next generation of thinkers, doers, uh, change makers, uh, those who are interested in doing work and saving our ocean and we always want to talk to our customers. We love sharing what our customers are doing. If you check out our social media, it's basically just the show and tell of our entire community and you know how cool everyone is and how awesome their applications are. So what's the handle? Check us out. Blue Robotics. <laughs> that seems easy enough. We're on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok coming soon. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we love chatting with our community. Oh, we have community forums as well. Um, so we have a lot of different forums for our customers and friends and anyone who's interested in chatting with us to do so. And we would love to hear from you. Super. Lisa, I'm going to ask you, I've decided I kind of want to get an impression from each of my guests now, um, 
about you've been working in this industry almost 10 years so you it's really inspiring to see what I bet you've seen as the technology grows and the uses expand and broaden and the products get cooler and and more effective so what do you imagine for the next 10 years where do you think this is going oh good question I think my dream would be in the same way that the aerial drone industry has like exploded in the past 10 years, you know, everyone has a drone or like you're, you're at the beach and there's a drone buzzing around. Um, they're, they're just so ubiquitous. I would love to see that with underwater robotics as well. And just have, you know, if there's a lake nearby, there's someone exploring it, or if there's a reservoir or an ocean or estuary or anything like there's there are people that have the technology or have access to that technology and are are, um, able to just get out there super I, I would like to see that too I think it's really important for our our incoming generations to understand just how how much these can be of a help to us totally Oh, it's wonderful speaking with you, Elisa. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Uh, you can find her through bluerobotics.com and all those social medias she mentioned, doing a spectacular job of getting the news of Blue Robotics out there. Thank you all for listening to the American Shoreline Podcast Network and the Wavemakers Podcast. As always, feel free to reach out. I'd love your feedback. If you know of any innovative ocean technology companies who are making some waves of their own, please let me know. Thank you. Thank you.